0: Welcome. You're listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here's your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Church Communications Director. My name is Philip Leo. I am Church Communications Director at Barnabas Foundation. We are so pleased to spend some time with you on this fine day, and I'm so happy to have with me Nathan Raubiri. Nathan, is the program manager for financial shalom and uh, he's going to be talking about bivocational ministry with me Uh, i'm excited to have folks join us uh, who are interested in bivocational ministry who maybe already are doing bivocational ministry i want to invite you to be interactive with us in this conversation use the question and answer Uh, icon at the bottom of your screen to ask questions, and we would be happy to include them as part of our conversation. I want to just remind you too that uh, you can find resources for what Nathan and I talk about today at crcna.org backslash financial shalom. That's the right place, right, Nathan? That's where it is. Nathan, welcome. Sorry, I'm so rude to you. Uh, Welcome. And thank you for joining with me today.
1: Thanks, Phil, and not at all. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you. It's good to have you.
0: And then I also want to uh, just mention to folks that uh, you can check out church.barnabasfoundation.com for all, every and all resources that we provide for churches to promote generosity, to promote giving beyond the offering plate at your church, gifts of non cash assets and real estate, uh, business interests, all kinds of gifts uh, that your members uh, may want to give to your church, especially check out generosity today. That's a quarterly newsletter that is intended for members at your church. You can download a PDF um, at church.barnabasfoundation.com. And you can, there's also an email version of that as well. And you can send it out to your church, please. Uh, get that in the hands of your church members. I think that's it. Oh, I also wanted to mention, please share this. Uh, this will be recorded. I'll post it on my Facebook page. We'll, uh, we'll push it out a lot, lots of different ways, but uh, grab this once it's produced. Should be a couple of days, we'll have it produced. Grab it and share it with church leaders. Share it with people that are leading along with you and then follow up with them uh in a you know in a week or so and ask them did you get a chance to watch that Uh, what'd you think about it hear their thoughts on it and see what it leads to so nathan let's uh let's start our conversation together the question before us is is bivocational ministry right for me that's a good question because uh bivocational ministry is a is a different kind of model for ministry and uh and it's an emerging model for ministry that's actually one of my questions which i have in the back of my head and i didn't prepare you at all for nathan but i'm going to start with that one anyways just to throw you off your balance um can you talk a little bit about bivocational ministry as an emerging model for ministry
1: sure phil and it's a great question um i think that Bivocationality vocationality is coming into the purview a lot more um, in the Christian Reformed Church of North America. Um, and that's for a, f- a few reasons. And I know financial shalom has had something to do with that as, as the, the concept has emerged more. But I should say that the reality um, has been around for quite a while. Um, I think that a lot of churches, particularly in the black church tradition, have been practicing bivocationality for quite a while. And it's been less of a practice, less of um, an assumed arrangement in predominantly white Christian Reformed churches. Um, But beyond the Christian Reformed church, you know, I think there have been some very, some cultural particularities that have made uh, CRCNA churches um, less familiar with bivocationality. But in a lot of denominations, this has been um, an accepted practice uh, for for quite a while. And people, churches, church denominations have realized that you don't need to uh, diminish the importance of ministry in a bivocational arrangement. Um, You don't need to uh, diminish uh, your church's mission uh, and you don't need to uh, play fast and loose with scripture (laughs) in order to accommodate a bivocational arrangement. Um, Bivocationality can, um, can actually enhance all of those things.
0: Wonderful. Uh, Nathan, let's stay off script and let's look at, uh, Mr. Chris Voss's. Hey, Mr. Chris Voss. How you doing? Uh, he has a question for us. He says, curious about recent statistics on the impact of bivocational ministry on church growth, i.e. historically bivocational ministry has had a negative impact on growth uh, slash impact. Is that still true? You have a sense of that, Nathan? Have you, you know, uh, heard, heard this question before?
1: It's a good question. I appreciate Chris asking it. I am afraid I'm not well-versed in that. Um, okay. I think that some of my colleagues in church planning um, at the Christian Reformed Church would have a really good uh, pulse on that. Um, I think that there's... Uh, uh, I think that the uh, kind of the cultural and economic conditions um, within churches and within the country have been changing. Uh, so that I think that there could be some factors that even if that were true at some point, um, things could be changing now. Um, okay. And I think that I just want to uh, say that I think for church planners starting out, uh, there are some advantages in starting out by vocational, Okay. Um, but that is a matter of, uh, in any case, uh, apart from the effectiveness argument, it needs to be determined within the context of that church's ministry and missional missional goals, missional aims.
0: Uh, let me just mention to Chris and maybe others on this question, Chris, if you have some insights or some ideas or thoughts about that, we'd love to connect, connect with me or Nathan. Uh, love to love to have a conversation about that, and uh, perhaps if there are others that have the same question, we could follow up with them as well. So. So Nathan, let's uh, let's just start really basic here in terms of uh, a basic definition of bivocational ministry. Is there kind of a line between what qualifies for bivocational and what doesn't qualify for bivocational?
1: Yeah, and and a great question. I think there are a lot of uh, kind of definitions or conceptions that have been floating around. And on this, I wanna refer to the great work that, a study on bivocationality task force has recently done for the Christian Reformed Church, um, and they have uh, put that report forward uh, to Synod 2021. So that is available online. And I really like the definition that they used, which is any arrangement in which a pastor gains financial support from more than one employer. So strictly defining it by does a pastor, you know, get financial support from more than one place. Um, and I like that because it is really broad. Um, there are a lot of ways that a church and a pastor can live into that definition of bivocationality. So I think, uh, you know, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, bivocational um, ministry kind of contributes is that there's no one way to do it. It really opens up some of the, the models of ministry available. And, and, it, it, churches and pastors are no longer um, constrained to a model in which there is a uh, one solo pastor who you know is full-time um, and that is that is how the church works um i think that this really opens up uh, the ways the ways to go about it um i think that it it's also a strong definition because it's kind of neutral on the motivations um some pastors um are bivocational by choice, they really um, have a, a calling and a passion in another area besides their church work and they wanna pursue that. They see those things as integrated mm-hmm. in, in who they are um, or they could be bivocational because of a missional reason. Re- reason. Yeah, they're um, part of uh, their work in the community can tie closely into what their church wants to be about in that place and in that neighborhood. But some uh, pastors are bivocational out of necessity. They need more money to take care of their families. Um, They need other benefits. Um, So anyway, this definition in which they gain financial support from more than one employer, it includes a wide variety of bivocational pastors uh, in that definition.
0: Yeah, that's what I think is that there's probably all kinds of scenarios of of bivocationality in, in ministry. Um, and those who are, are uh, joining us live probably have examples of that or maybe are involved in those uh, ministries themselves or those who are watching this recording may be in similar situations. Uh, um, so let's just say that there's a bunch of scenarios but can you just give an example like a specific example that of a bivocational ministry setting uh, what you know what's it, like what's the work um, in terms of time, what's the work in terms of time for the church? But then, what's the work like outside of church? You know what I'm saying? Hopefully, I'm asking the question the right way.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I would say there are a whole bunch of different answers to that, depending on the ministry context. And I'll try to I'll try to um, give a few examples. Um, I should say, I mean, first off, I think that bivocationality is not simply uh, part time ministry. I think that a lot of pastors. Uh, A lot of pastors uh, would maybe chafe at being uh, thought of as part time pastors, because we all know that, you know, the function in some sense uh, of being a pastor, of helping a community listen for God, it's it's full time in some sense, like your energy goes towards it. Um, And yet uh, and yet uh, there need to be uh, some boundaries if you are going to be pursuing multiple uh, forms of employment. Um, So, so here's, here's one way it could, it could look for some, Um, you know, I know of a few pastors who, you know, have arrangements with their churches. Okay. uh, These are the days that I'm devoting to church work. Other days um, they perhaps work as a chaplain um, at a retirement community or in a hospital setting. And the church is very clear on what days they are doing each of those things. Um, Another pastor could be, um, you know, could be working in the gig economy, um, just on any kind of schedule that works, whether that's, whether that's driving or picking up groceries, et cetera. That's a very different, uh, kind of model. Um, who you knows of some pastors who are, for example, uh, pursuing, uh, a second career in, uh, real estate or realty. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways that pastors can make, uh, the time aspect of bivocational ministry work. Um, and and again, just to reiterate, the, the beauty of bivocationality is it opens up a lot of different models that are appropriate within the context of that congregation and that pastor's gifts and that ministry context. And I think that's a really beautiful benefit of yeah. bivocationality.
0: So Nathan, we have a question uh, and I'm gonna read it, but I think I'm gonna hold off because I think we'll come to this one in a little bit, but is bivocational ministry mostly seen as short-term until a church is able to pay a full-time pastor so let's uh let's put that one in our back pocket for right now i think we're going to come to that one i am curious about uh a bivocational model for ministry and what uh what are the benefits for a church um what you know we we think about it often in terms of, of of a pastor and their situation their work situation ministry situation but Uh, for a ministry that's in progress and um, moving forward, how does a bivocational ministry model help or benefit them?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I should say in in many uh, denominational contexts, people see uh, a bivocational pastor as a definite advantage to their church's ministry. Um, And again, that... the Depends on the context, uh, but for some, it's it's really um, a chance for an incarnational witness. That is a that is a top reason. And again, I'm pulling from partly from my own observations and experiences, and partly from the excellent work my colleagues did on the study for Bivocationality Task Force. Um, incarnational witness is huge. That the pastor can be out in the community, meeting people, um, witnessing to uh, you know to Christ reconciliation of all things in uh, in another sphere besides their church, it puts them out in the community and it gives them um, exposure, Uh, along with that they, um, you know, they're enriched by those other experiences. Um, You know that that a pastor. You can tell a pa- uh, the difference between a pastor who has been um, simply in a study all week preparing a sermon versus someone who has been drawing on a wide range of experiences and meeting a variety of people. And it comes out in the preaching and in pastoral care and many other settings. Um, and this is not a knock on full time uh, ministry, and it's certainly not a knock on prepared study of sermons, etc churches who have had a bivocational pastor can see how uh, there is uh, there that their pastor can be enriched by their other experiences. I would say another is just clergy health. If uh, if your pastor's not healthy, it's harder for your church to be healthy. So the fact that um, in a bivocational arrangement, your pastor might be exercising a fuller range of her or his gifts uh, is, a huge, uh, is a huge advantage. Um, I would say one one other thing would be just that the uh the lady of the church can be empowered if you if it's not understood or assumed that your pastor is the disciple par excellence that your you know your pastor is standing in for the entire community's uh discipleship um which i think is a distorted uh understanding of ministry to begin with right but it's easier to fall into that um, with a full-time pastor than when it's understood look the work of our church's mission the work of our church's ministry has to be distributed among our members we are in this together we have to do it together and we cannot expect uh, the pastor to uh, to fill in all of the gaps because that's just not realistic and that would that would run uh, this pastor ragged so i think those are some of the things incarnational witness you know, pastoral enrichment and health um, and the empowerment of the entire body of Christ for mission and ministry.
0: Yeah, I like, I, I like that point uh, in terms of uh, a pastor in a bivocational ministry setting who is by default, you might say modeling uh, what it means to be uh, salt and light in the workplace and everyday um, in everyday scenarios and that kind of thing. It doesn't mean that a full-time pastor isn't that or can't be that, or isn't, uh, can't be in the mix of a community, in the mix of, of everyday, and, and there are many, many pastors who are. Um, it's just that for, a, a, a it would seem to me for a bivocational ministry, that's, that's a given, right? Um, that modeling that right. a pastor is doing in that way has to be that way because that's the way it's set up well i like that that's exactly
1: exactly and i think that you know sometimes there it's assumed that to be bivocational is a downside or it's a less than and i think those points just try to underscore that no it's it's different but it's not necess- it's not lesser and it can actually have advantages
0: yeah let's talk uh let's so, so let's switch and talk financially and i think that will get to Uh, get us to this question that came in earlier about bivocational ministry being short-term until it's able to pay a full-time pastor, sort of like, well, we can't pay a full-time pastor. Let's ramp up to it. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, In terms of a model of bivocational ministry, what kind of difference does that make financially or or what what are the dynamics of it uh, financially?
1: yeah it's a good question and i mean let me take the short-term question real quick just because um you know i think that this gets to the financial realities of a lot of churches that you know they need to live within their budgetary means and if your budget can't necessarily support um, a full-time pastor at a livable salary um that's kind of what you're left with and that's and that's wise and that's prudent but yet um i worry that uh that there could be um, a tendency then to think of the pastor as a junior pastor or for them to not be as highly valued. And that's why I think there are um, good reasons that bivocationality needs to be um, part of a discernment process within the church for missional reasons and not simply monetary reasons. Because I think otherwise, if it's strictly monetary, I think that that can shortchange the mission and it can You know and and it can keep uh, bivocational ministry as kind of a lesser than position um but i will say for the on the on the money front um you know if you're open to other arrangements for ministry um and if your pastor is open to other forms of employment if that's a A discussion that you can have and 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 there's a mutual understanding there. Um, It does allow the church, um, whether it's an established church an emerging church or a church plant um, to grow at a healthy pace and a sustainable pace. Um, It allows for more creativity. um, And it allows the church to live within its means and at every step of the way to discern. Okay, if we have different kinds of income. What does that mean for our mission. rather than um, f- force the mission through a certain um, kind of financial model.
0: Right, yeah, and it's making me think back to Chris's question earlier in terms of the uh, long-term effect of, of bivocational ministry. And I wonder if it's tied to this question of missionality in terms of what, what's the motivation for bivocationality? Is it, is it primarily miss- missional or is it primarily financial? And I'm wondering you know, what, the, what the difference between those two might be. Uh, So uh, there's a question from Brian, Nathan, I haven't read it, but I'm going to read it right now. I'm currently moving from full-time ministry into bivocational ministry. The council and I are talking about moving from the CRC pension plan to a 401k. Any thoughts or advice on this as the council and I have had this discussion? Interesting question, Uh, probably uh, the kind you're going to deal more and more with as you launch your bivocational growth fellowship.
1: Yeah, indeed. And though I'm not um, super well versed on the ins and outs of that, I just want to affirm, Brian, like that that's, these are the kinds of conversations that absolutely are part of making a transition and making, um, uh, making a model of ministry that works for both you and the church. Um, so I would be happy to engage with you that on that more a little bit after i can do a little bit more research i do think that that is going to increasingly be um that is going to be where the rubber meets the road for a lot of pastors and um, i think within financial shalom uh, we want to create more resources to help facilitate those kinds of discussions so i wish i had more uh, for you today uh, but i can certainly get back to you with more on that
0: yeah, and I had uh, mentioned right at the top of our conversation, Nathan, that um, on December 4, that's a deadline for applying for a bivocational growth fellowship that's forming, sort of a cohort that's forming. Um, and I like, the, I like the model for that in terms of it's going to be um, group learning. And these kinds of questions can be uh, shared in the context of a cohort, in the context of of the fellowship of uh, by vocational ministers. So I just wanna mention that again, uh, uh, for people to check out crcna.org backslash financial shalom. You can go there and you can find out uh, more about that uh, fellowship that's uh, going to be starting up. Um, so Nathan, let's look here. How about uh, an obvious question of trade-offs or pitfalls to bivocational ministry? Probably, you know, this is a huge conversation, but uh, let's just touch on a few of the of the big ones or main ones in terms of trade-offs or pitfalls.
1: Sure, yeah. And, you know, there are trade-offs with most ministry arrangements. Um, some of them we're just more familiar with, right um, but bivocationality certainly has its own trade-offs. And some of them are mirrors of, you know, of the real advantages, um, honestly. Um, I think one of the potential, uh, pitfalls is um, for a church to think, oh, well, this is this is a money-saving measure. This is simply a way to to save um, simply to save on a pastor's salary. Um, but uh, and I've I've seen this in 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 conversations um, around the denomination. Sometimes that can lead to a mindset of we have the same expectations for what we are going to do. We haven't shifted actually our expectations on 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 what we. Want what our uh, what our worship life looks like together, what our ministry looks like together, Um, but we do have an expectation that we're going to pay less. So I think that that is a really important. um, Some of the boundaries around that are really important to discuss, and I think it's a great opportunity for a church to um, to engage some really uh, foundational questions in the process. What is our church for? What's important for us? You know, are we really living our values and does our budget match that? It's a really good opportunity, but um, if it's not if it's not framed and it's not expected um, and really discussed in a healthy manner up front, uh, that can be a pitfall as there is it can be frustration on both sides. Um, along with that could be overwork. Um, this is already you know kind of a occupational hazard of pastors already that it's it's hard to um, have balance because you're always on and I think that that if if there aren't healthy boundaries set uh, you know that can be even more so for bivocational pastors it's just not enough not enough hours in the day to attend to all the things that need to be done um, I think a big question is health insurance and who's going to pay it um, and depending on who covers it that, that uh, that employer is probably um, going to have a little bit more say on um, some of the uh, some of the pastors prime time so I think that is a that's a really important conversation um, another trade-off is just that it's sometimes difficult for um, a pastor to find complementary work or suitable work that can be done on a part-time basis that also um, you know provides enough to live on um, so I think that that is really that is really a challenge and then and then one other pitfall is you know unfortunately in 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 the past and even and even currently uh, if a bivocational pastor is pursuing other employment their schedule is completely full it's really hard to have time to attend denominational or classical gatherings um, and then it's harder to be represented and have your voice there so i think that that can lead and has led to um, sometimes seeing uh, bivocational pastors as uh, as second tier, um, which you know I think the denomination certainly wants to change on that front, but I think that is a trade-off that uh, that we need to acknowledge and that that work needs to be done uh, towards fixing that.
0: Absolutely, yeah, it's a it's a changing landscape for ministry, obviously. And, uh, and, frankly, that's why we're even having this conversation right now, because um, it's not the same day it was even five years ago, right, in terms of ministry. And, um, and ministry keeps evolving, and as, um, as bivocational ministries emerge, Uh, I'm so thankful that there is this kind of support for those who are engaging in bivocational ministries. Uh, I just want to mention again, uh, for folks to check out crcna.org backslash financial shalom, you'll be able to read more about the resources that will be part of this fellowship. There's an application you can download. Uh, Also, if you want to uh, contact me, uh, with a question related to this, uh, my email is pleo at barnabasfoundation.com. And Nathan's is, what is yours, Nathan? Say yours so they can reach out to you.
1: I should Sure. Not. Yep. Uh, go with shalom at crcna.org.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. I would not have gone with that. So I'm glad I asked you.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of vowels in my name. So try to make it simple.
0: <laughs> so uh, I also want to mention, I just want to remind folks that uh, we're going to record this. Uh, We're gonna produce it and put it out, share it with the church leader, share it with somebody that's thinking about bivocational ministry along with you, then follow up with them a week later and say, did you watch that and what are your thoughts about it? Also, uh, please go to church.barnabasfoundation.com and all of our church resources from Barnabas Foundation are found right there. In particular, Generosity Today is a quarterly newsletter to promote Uh, gifts of non-cash assets in your church Uh, so connect with me about those ask me about uh, those resources and I'm happy to help you out I think uh, that's it Nathan uh, thank you so much this was uh, thoroughly enjoyable and uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation thanks for joining me and thanks to everyone for joining us thank you Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn how we can help you experience smart and powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.BarnabasFoundation.com.